Testing. One, two, three. Am I in, am I coming in? Testing. You're good. You're on. You're always on. What are you doing? Uh, you're rolling up your sleeves. It's getting a little scary here in the Griffiths Conference Room in Northern Seminary Library. Hey, you got to listen to the music to get into the groove. I got to roll up my sleeves. Yeah, here's the difference between me and you. You're wearing a tie and a very snazzy shirt. I haven't changed my clothes in three days. I even shaved today. I don't know when the last time you took a shower or shaved. I'm trying to bring the class back into the classroom <laughs> here at Northern Seminary. Northern Seminary, everybody. Here we are in the Griffith Conference Room once again. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, oh. you bailed out on me. You're all famous. Out. You're going up, to the, I, up north. I am not famous. That's for, Or maybe infamous, but not famous. You're here we so are. famous that you're infamous. Thank you, Three Amigos. Ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, that time again of the week, Theology on Mission podcast. Here we are, Griffith's Conference Room in the Northern Seminary Library. It's, I'd say it's uh, a good 10 degrees Fahrenheit out there. I say Fahrenheit because you might not know this, but the rest of the world's on centigrade. So it's actually 18 degrees, but it might feel like 10, but nobody cares about that so much. But this time of year is not marked by the temperature but by the seasons of the calendar that was an amazing established segue. by the church. And what time of year is it now, Dr. Fitch? Well, we're entering into the Lenten season. It starts out tonight at Ash Wednesday. From Northern Seminary, in partnership with Missio Alliance, this is Theology on Mission, the podcast exploring God and integrating faith and life. Here are your hosts, Jeff Holsclaw and David Fitch. Well, we're entering into the Lenten season. It starts out tonight at Ash Wednesday. And uh, I hope, what, what, what are your plans? Uh, what's life on the vine uh, since they, uh, since I have uh, since departed? We have a 6.30 Ash Wednesday service. By the way, if anybody from Life on the Vine is listening to this. Which there are. Um, I have uh, been asking to come back and preach for about two years, two years. <laughs> he's stooping so low, he's got to ask through the podcast <laughs> to get an invite back to need, Life on the Vine. I need the crowds to arise so that I can get, you know, come back just once for a visit. Anyways, we're enough about me. This is Ash Wednesday, and we want to talk about what it means. How do you uh, celebrate? I shouldn't say celebrate. How do you um, honor and uh, walk through? Uh, the Lenten season by beginning Ash Wednesday at, at Life of the Vine. Well, Ash Wednesday, we have this service where we talk about well, what does fasting mean, what does almsgiving mean, and what is prayer, the, the different practices that are typically associated with the time and season of Lent. Sounds all real heady. Uh, heady? No, yeah. this, is, this is part of, this well, is like calls, in your life. This who is, calls it almsgiving anymore? Where, where'd you get that? I don't know. You're right. I don't know what that is. Giving to the poor self-sacrificial caring for others that are less fortunate than yourself it comes from jesus it comes from jesus and it's sermon on the mount and he talks about the things that you should do and not let other people know that you're doing them and things yeah, like that at uh, peace of christ which is the church uh, that, I, that my family's at now uh, we call it being with the least of these matthew chapter 25 and that the presence of christ is there when we take time to be present and be with the least of these. The new world, the kingdom of God has opened up. Amen. So anyways, uh, tonight uh, at Peace of Christ, um, I'm going to be riffing on uh, Exodus chapter 14. 
And uh, I'm going to be talking about how, you know, uh, Caleb and Joshua are on the verge of entering into the promised land, and they send them in as spies, you don't remember, to scout out. I guess scout would be a better They were term. two of the 12 spies that were sent, Caleb and Joshua. That's right. And then 10 they, unnamed people. And they come back, and uh, they're quite, uh, you know, they report on, on the things that are going on, and... Uh, uh, one of the things they report on is the fact that there are, you know, there are some challenges ahead. There are here we are on the verge of entering into the promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land of new life, the land of righteousness. But they come back and they give a mixed picture. You know, there are going to be some difficulties. The land is filled with giants. There are some fortresses. Oh, oh, they will destroy us, they say. But Caleb says, no problem. We can handle it. But the people expected the new life to be handed to them on a silver platter. Do you remember what happened? They start grumbling. They start uh, blaming. They start complaining. They have a pity session. And in short, they start a mutiny. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. And then, like often we are prone to do, they start looking to the past and the place they came from, and they kind of paint it with a rosy picture. Oh, remember that time when we were slaves in Egypt? It wasn't so bad. Let's go back there. That place was awesome. Right. So they did what many of us do is they repaint the past. And this is kind of like a picture for me of like how we need to be shaped into faithfulness, but our propensity is towards faithlessness, uh, unfaithfulness. And so when we are faced with adversity, challenges, you know, we shrink back, we rebel, we feel sorry for ourselves. And God says, in using that example of Caleb, he says um, that I need, that we need to have faith and trust and dependence upon him. And so really, they are sent back into the wilderness for 40 years so that God can shape a people in the wilderness to learn how to depend and trust on him. Do you agree? Oh, yes, absolutely. They're sent into the wilderness, not not necessarily even as a punishment, in a sense as a punishment, but as a preparation, as God's mercy to uh, form them into a people who could handle, in a sense, trusting him and handle moving into the promised land. Right. So you remember that there were... Um there, were, there was one, I, I'm going to talk about how there are three people. There, there are those people who just quit at the anticipation of adversity and entering into the promised land, the, the, the place of goodness, righteousness, milk, and honey, but yet they want to have it handed to them. And so there's people, one group of people that just wants to quit. So in verses 2 through 4, the children of Israel cry out and they say, oh, it would have been better if we would have just died. Why has the Lord brought us here to just die we should just go home. Those are the people who just quit. On the other hand, there are those people that um, want to do it all themselves on their own <clears throat> effort. Um, mm. Verse 42 says, um, you know, they, they just want to go into Canaan on their own. This is God's will. I, I have no patience to wait on the Lord. I'm going to go do it. And, and Moses says in verse 42, don't do it, for the Lord is not with you. Do not let yourself get struck down. Uh, in the land of Canaan. And so there are people who want to quit, but then there's people who want to do it on their own. And and uh, God says in verse 24, but my servant, because he has a different spirit and he's followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him back to the land into which he he, to which he went and his descendants shall possess it. So it's 
It, they're being sent back into the wilderness to learn how to get rid of idols, get rid of their own self-dependency, get rid of their own uh, unfaithfulness and lack of trust and, and weakness towards uh, any adversity. And God's training them how to be faithful and depend on him wholeheartedly. And that's the way God shall open up the promised land, the future in our lives. Therefore, as we look towards Easter and we look towards the, the birth of the new age, the new kingdom in our lives, we have to go through this spell, this 40 days. We all need it. It's good. God leads us through it, not as punishment, as you say, but as training for the promised land. Not punishment, but preparation. And this is the preparation that even Jesus himself uh, accomplished or uh, went through. So he was baptized in the Jordan River, which is uh, in a fancy theological speech, a recapitulation of of Israel being baptized in the Red Sea and even their own crossing of the Jordan eventually into the Promised Land. He was baptized, but then the Spirit drove him into the wilderness for how many days? Forty, 40 days, which matches or recapitulates, as Irenaeus would say, the 40 years of Israel in the wilderness. And so even the Son of God, filled with the Spirit, needed that time of preparation, the battling, in a sense, with the devil. What are some of the things that uh, you like to practice in, in these 40 days of Lent uh, that teach you about the idolatries in your life, the lack of of dependence upon God, the distractions and the things which you depend upon to get you through the day as opposed to depending upon God. What are some of the things you do? So this, this podcast that? has turned into the whole squad confessional. Is that what we're doing here? Exactly. And you're the model for the rest of us to follow. Uh, you're such oh, a goodness. holy man. Oh, brother. Uh, that we... All right. So I've found uh, that... The what Lent does for me when I fast, and not just Lent, but when I try to fast and things like that, is that I usually learn the most about myself, not because I succeed in keeping a fast, but because I fail at it. And then I learn, well, why like why did I fail? Is it lack of discipline, lack of trust, lack of planning? Like sometimes seeking after God takes planning. And then a fast and a Lenten kind of commitment, you know, takes planning. So it often ends up being a lot of self-discovery and then lack of self-discipline is what I learn um, through the Lenten kind of journey. And then that's a springboard for then reliance and trust on God in the future. So yeah, that's that's been my experience a lot of times yeah, with Lent. And, and so often, uh, let's say a fast, and I've been struggling with this issue myself as I'm preparing to do a fast. And uh, you know, I was I was getting ready to do one and then I realized uh, just in the next three days that I have meetings, important meetings, that, and meetings in the United States of America tend to center around a meal. And, and so I am, it's going to be almost impossible for me to carry out this fast that I'd planned in the next three days. So I'm delaying it three days. But anyways, that's a typical response. I can't do this. I'm not wired this way. I could never do this. And I think that's what Ash Wednesday begins the journey is for you to learn you can't do this. In fact, it should be the opposite. I can't do this. Let me just submit myself to God and the Holy Spirit and learn that he can be sufficient and present in our lives 
to take us to places we just didn't think we could do. We have a society that needs Lent. We have a whole culture that is desperate for Lent. Desperate for uh, some sort of practice that uh, suppresses our self-indulgences, some sort of... A practice uh, that teaches us that, you know what, there is more to life than just you. There's something bigger to be a part of and that it actually takes sacrifices and, to join and it. You are you are capable of so much more, but it's not about you. It's about what God will do through you. That's I, so foreign to our culture. Yeah, and I kind of think uh, that Ash Wednesday as kind of the entrance into Lent is probably the most important aspect of Lent, at least for me as I reflect on these things, is because Ash Wednesday is primarily about the statement that you are from ashes and to ashes you will return. It's this idea that we're mortal. Now, we live in a culture that is just absolutely afraid of death, sequesters death and dying off to a corner, ignores death unless it's some violent action film, you know, things like this, right? So we don't mind killing people, but it's like our own death. Uh, And so forcing ourselves, which is pretty different. A lot of other cultures outside of the West and the United States, you know, there's kind of an embrace and an understanding that death is part of life and that you need to move through it and understand. But we just, we throw it off in a corner. We shove it down. And so ashes to ashes. And, and, And that's part of what I was earlier saying is we have a culture that wars against the notion, the training that we must be dependent upon God because we are trained into self-sufficiency. We are trained to be true to ourselves. It's all about who we are. And yet, uh, and you're right, we don't, we don't, uh, uh, it's not readily available to us to understand ourselves as vulnerable, as, uh, uh, significantly vulnerable to things happening in our lives. And we must always be in dependence upon God to walk through what we must walk through in this life to, for his purposes to be accomplished. So I think Lent and Ash Wednesday is something all Protestant churches should recover, not just for the high churches, not for uh, high liturgical, meaning Anglican and or Catholic churches, shouldn't be just for those churches who uh, emphasize the spiritual disciplines. Let's, let's go all across the board, all kinds of evangelical churches, uh, that typically are not in touch with the liturgies in the in the church here, and let's go with Ash Wednesday and and the practice of Lent. Amen. So, Dave, yeah. you're yeah. going to die, right? You're going. I'm going to die. The people listening to this podcast, you're going to die. Now, see, for Christians, that shouldn't be a morbid statement. That's just a truthful statement. We're saying something true about ourselves. It doesn't have to be morbid, but when we're stressed out about our work, when we're worried about our kids, when we're... And our money. And our finances. Yeah, and our money and the stock market's going like this and blah, blah, blah. And our 401ks. Saying and remembering, hey, I'm going to die. That's not... This is just part of it. It's part of the life God has given to us, and he's going to redeem the death even. And yet... It's There's something a freedom we need to hold. In that. Exactly. There is a freedom into it. And especially when you link that to our own baptisms that we're dead in Christ and we're raised up in him. Right? Doesn't uh Amy Laurel Hall says, uh, you have already died, so don't worry about living. And don't worry about dying, because you've already died. I was reading Athanasius just uh, a couple days ago, uh, on the incarnation, which I love. You should all read it if you haven't to all of you listening. 
And he talks about one of the main witnesses to the truth of Christianity is that Christians no longer fear death. As they, he said repeatedly, they trample and they on the head of death and they laugh at death. Their lives are characterized by having no anxiety about dying, which I don't think could be said about modern Western uh, America these days. No, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. Christians and non-Christians. There's a lot of anxiety we and expect, denial. We expect our medical establishments to cure everything. And if they don't, we're mad as hell. And, and so we have created a society that never deals with our mortality and our vulnerability and the fact that we must walk always with open hands in dependence upon God for what he gives us for today. It's a great way to live. But to turn it around in a positive way, because I'm generally a more positive, uplifting guy, I'd like to think so, is it's not just about remembering that you're going to die, but remember you're in a body. You have a body. You're, we are embodied people. And this is part of the practice of Lent, too, is don't be enslaved to your body, um, but also don't be in denial about being a body, that, it's, that you're in a body, and that these things are good, and that the, the body God has given us is a good thing. Uh, so don't deny it, but don't be enslaved to it. God's at work in our bodies. And this is important. Well, it's, it's a, I like the way you put that, that twofold uh, idea. Like, like, I think our culture encourages us to be enslaved by our bodies. In fact, the core of our meaning and purpose is to be, have appetites and to fulfill those appetites and then to, uh, you know, uh, fire up those appetites again and fulfill them again. And so we become even unconscious and unaware of, say, how much food we're eating how much lust we are allowing to enter into our beings that is not of God and his purposes. And we just simply have no way to walk through this world that um, simply says the core of our being is desire. And yet Lent tells us, no, we must nail uh, the flesh to the cross so that we can be renewed and and made whole towards the purposes of God in our flesh. Amen. Amen. That was some heavy stuff you were getting to there. Lent's a heavy time. Are you preaching tonight at Lent? No. Who's preaching? Co-pastor Juliet Wait is right. preaching. I'm preaching on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sunday is the the temptations of Christ. Coupled, we're, we're beginning a series on uh, standing in Christ and putting on the armor of God. It's going to be good. Good times. For Lent. That's going to be through Lent. Yeah. Entering into the battle. So we're actually doing a lot of battle terminology. Yeah. So so uh, that's it for another podcast on uh, on Ash Wednesday uh, 2016. We're keeping it short so that you all can get to your services whenever or or for whatever you're doing whenever you yeah, end up listening to this. Yeah. Do you have any uh, recommended, uh, I know we didn't go through this before the podcast, but do you have any recommended resources for Lent? I don't. I have I mean, this one nugget, though. Are you ready for this one well, nugget? Well, before you get to the nugget, okay. Uh, my, one of my mentors, Robert Weber, has a great book called Ancient Future Time. And in there is uh, several, there's a chapter on Ash Wednesday and Lent and how it trains us into the story of God and shapes us for the resurrection. I just recommend that as, if people are looking for a place to start. Amen. And then uh, my one little nugget I got from Dallas Willard when he was at a small conference we were at about five years ago uh, before he passed away. He said, and it was on Ash Wednesday, it was an Ash Wednesday service. This conference went through uh, Ash Wednesday. And in that service, he said, the only way home is through the cross. 
the cross is our way home. And that just the way he said that, you know, like we are on a journey way on our way home to God, family of God. And yet it always has to pass through the cross. So Lent is that time where we and, really remember that. And part of part of what I think he's saying there, and I think it's so true of the gospel, I think it's so, so true of the New Testament is suffering is not something we uh, try to avoid. Again, we have a medical establishment which the number one ethical rule is avoid suffering, avoid pain. Okay, sometimes suffering and pain needs to be avoided and we're not supposed to seek after it, but the fact is the world is broken, fallen, and God has chosen not to institute a renewed world outside of history, but to enter in and through the suffering redeem us. And so suffering is the means by which God redeems the world. It's not to be avoided. It's to be walked through under the power and grace and perseverance and dependence upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So just as a quick preview, we're going to be having a Valentine's Day uh, podcast coming up soon on what is love. We're also going to be talking about the connection between church Does anybody church really planning. care uh, what you or I have to say about that question? They do now. And then we're going to be talking also about uh, worship services and church planning, how those fit together and what kind of time frame they are. So we're keeping this one short, signing off from Griffith Conference Room Northern Seminary. This is Jeff Holsclaw. Dave Fitch. Till next time. See you later.